Welcome to the Beyond Jiu-Jitsu podcast. Kieran's look of disapproval on my face for my beauty beauty intro. <laughs> <laughs> he likes to keep it very professional just so he can copy paste the intros. 100%. Right. <laughs> what are we up to? Episode uh, 22. 22, bro. We're cracking along. Last episode, 21, we spoke about meeting your heroes, jiu-jitsu heroes. Should you do it? Shouldn't you do it? Um Spoiler alert, you should. Uh, but yeah, anyway, if you want to listen to the episode, you can go back. Today, we're talking about being your own worst critic. That's the saying, right? You are your own worst critic. Should you cut yourself some slack? Um, what do you reckon? Well, actually, hang on first. Adam Childs sitting across from me. Kieran Lefebvre. Black belts, white belts, just overall dudes. Yep, just just dudes, just lads. Just lads, bro. Eshays. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Check out my boy Spanion on uh, YouTube. In joke, don't worry. So yeah, today we're talking about being your own worst critic, and I think this is very relevant to jujitsu. For as sure, it's such a big journey. It's a long journey to black belt, and there's a lot to learn. And whenever you're learning a new endeavor, it can be very easy to get pretty hard on yourself. What do you think about that? Ads? Is it good? or bad for your jiu-jitsu progression to be your own worst critic? Yeah, I think uh, I actually don't like it when people tell me to like, oh, man, stop being so hard on yourself. I don't like that. I'm in incredibly hard on myself. And, uh, you know, you could argue I could be harder on myself, um, you know, because uh, I can be a bit relaxed and lazy and not lazy lazy is not the right word but you know i can be very for lack of a better word chill a lot of the time you know uh my wife in particular is often kind of on me about like how are you so relaxed about that or something i could probably count on one hand the amount of times in my life that i've been stressed you know so i think i could even be harder on myself but i don't like when people say oh don't be so hard on yourself you know Sometimes that's relevant, you know, but in general, I think it's great to be your own worst, worst critic. It's what has always pushed me to keep going back to jujitsu. That feeling of, of never being satisfied. No, I don't mean satisfied as in, you know, you eat enough food so you're satisfied. I mean like that feeling of it's just never good enough. I don't, it doesn't get me depressed. It, it drives me to want more, right? And I think maybe if you look at it from a negative point of view as in, oh, you're so hard on yourself, you're, you're so hard on yourself that you're getting down on yourself and depressed and you want to give up and you're unhappy. I think that's a little bit different to my mentality, which is that I'm, I'm, I'm never satisfied. It's never good enough. And that's like a, a, a fire that makes me go back. It's a challenge rather than a point of depression. Yeah. So if you're too hard on yourself, this can, you know, obviously we're not going to talk about the the signs and symptoms of depression because that's a real thing and, and obviously it's different. But if, you, if you're hard on yourself and that's how you respond, as in you get down and depressed, that's not good. However, if you're hard on yourself and like that wasn't good enough, I know I can do better, then it is a challenge to yourself. Yeah, because if, if I just kind of settle for – Oh yeah, that you know, that's good enough. I I don't feel any drive 
to improve. And and anyone who's trained for long enough knows that you can always improve. Even the best guys in the world can improve. So even when even when I, okay, let's look at like the last the last competition I did, the last fight I did was some subversion. Uh, feels like a lifetime ago now because of all the lockdowns. Was supposed to fight the. The next subversion, what's the date today, was supposed to be in three days from today was supposed to be. The, Our road to subversion, yeah. yeah, yeah. Which obviously uh, lockdown, not happening. If, but if people wanted to watch that fight though, I definitely think they should. Do you have the what the uh, YouTube video is called? I think it's Adam Child's subversion so or something. So that video that I sent you yeah. is I believe a, not a legitimate copy it's ah, people can still find it. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's one of those ones that you can only see it if you have the link. Ah, uh, okay, um, never mind. I'll I'll post it somewhere. You guys can watch it at some stage. But there will but be between between now and when this episode comes out, there will be a, a link to that on our Instagram. So jump onto our link tree and, <laughs> and you can, you can <laughs> and, find and it. And you will be able to find it. We'll, I'll put a link in uh to, to that video. It's yeah. it's a good fight. But anyway, the what I was going to say is that yeah, I won that fight. And spoilers, <laughs> yeah. Oh shit! Sorry, <laughs> there was no points in the fight where I was at da- in danger or anything. But I still, straight after that fight, was unhappy with it. You know, uh, I was unhappy with uh, missing a takedown at the yep. start. I was unhappy with how a particular sweep unfolded. You know, uh, like yeah, the fight all went. You could argue flawlessly, but it wasn't. I'm not saying I'm only going to be happy if I get a. 10 second submission flying triangle. No, but like just the things that happened in the fight, there were certain things that I wasn't happy with, you know? Uh, and yeah, you could have on the one hand, you could be saying, oh man, cut yourself some slack. You won. It was great. You were never in danger, blah, blah, blah. You didn't concede any positions, etc. But there were things that I tried to do that didn't play out how I wanted them to play out. So I'm not happy with it. Yeah. Right? Like, and I'm and cr- let me guess, it frustrates you when, when people would come up to you and say, why are you worrying about the takedown, it doesn't matter, you won. But you're like, no, I was, maybe your goal going into that, just hypothetically, maybe your goal going into that, like your number one goal was to secure a takedown. Yeah. And you maybe you you spent three hours a day leading up to that fight for like three to four months drilling takedowns. Like that one takedown, you didn't get it. So knowing that, you're disappointed that you didn't get the takedown. Yeah, exactly right. Like, you know, you might you might have had that one particular goal that one technique or something you've spent a lot of time Mm. working up to it and then it fails of course you're going to be unhappy regardless of what the result was you know uh this is actually sorry on on the you know at the same time there's fights i've lost where i've been quite happy you know uh yeah okay where even though i lost things went really well or i you know, oh yeah, I lost, but i did this thing really well that i've been working on or something yeah obviously there's if you lose, there's already instant criticism that you can criticize yourself. But, you know, the point I'm trying to make is there's always uh, – I don't want to say there's always a negative you can find, but there's always room for improvement. And for me personally, that – oh, cut yourself some slack, you're, the, you're, you're your own worst critic sort of approach where you where you're – where you're trying not to be too hard on yourself. For me, that's a slippery slope that turns into just complacency. Yeah. Yeah. So mm. I, I always, it's not like I'm trying to be uh, a negative person, but even my roles in the gym, right? If I, 
if I roll with, let's say even if you and I are rolling, it's a white belt and a black belt rolling, I will still come out of that role with points that I could have done better or that need to be improved or, you know, I'm still hard on myself. Sometimes it might be something where I'm like, oh, okay, I'm figuring it out. So it's not like a, a bad thing where I'm being hard on myself. It's just like, oh yeah, okay, oh, I could have done this. But other times I'll be hard on myself like, man, you know, you were so slow at doing whatever, right? Mm -hmm. You were man, like you, yeah, like I caught you in that triangle, but oh man, it took me 30 seconds to tighten it up or, or, oh man, you know, you, you stacked me into a position of discomfort from that try. I'm not happy with that, you know, like, yeah, I got the tap, but I shouldn't even be getting stacked into a position of discomfort or something like that. Right. You know, I'll always find something that needs to be improved. So I'm always going to criticize myself. And as long as it, for people, anyone listening as like Kieran said before, if you're someone that's criticizing yourself and then it's turning into something real and something serious like depression or, you know, it's putting you into a super negative headspace and you want to quit jujitsu or something, well, that's not good, right? But if it's a tool for self-improvement, man, I'm always criticizing my, yeah. my jujitsu. I suppose it depends on the way you frame your self-criticism. And for some people – they don't frame it in a positive way. By the sounds of things, you use your self-criticism as a way to, to fuel the fire and to refocus the challenge that's put in front of you and, and almost to impose your own challenge upon yourself. Like, no, even if you're rolling with a white belt, no, I will, I will put as much effort in as is required, but I could have been faster. I could have got the submission sooner. I shouldn't have conceded this, even though it's – a white belt, etc. I think that's really important. And the point you brought out that even if some matches you lose, if you achieve a goal that you set out to do, maybe on that match, you just wanted to secure the takedown. That's the only focus. And if you were able to do that, tick, even though you, you know, maybe considered a sweep or something and then you lost. However, I think that points to me, what that says to me is you have a lot of self-awareness, a lot of self-awareness to be able to do that. And I think, and I think I've, I don't know if it's something I developed over time or I've always been able to do it, but I'm also, you know, pretty aware of what happens in my roles after the fact as well. Mm. Uh, it's not very often I get com completely lost, you know, for example, I'll often be sitting with, with Joey, who we've mentioned a lot of times, cause he's you know, a, a brown belt with us and definitely one of my, on the regular, my my toughest training partner and student, you know, Joey and I go head to head. I can tap him, he can tap me. So we have really great fun roles, right? Really good, tough roles, but zero animosity. We have a really good relationship as training partners. And, you know, so we'll have a role, maybe in a night we have three or four roles or something. And then after class or after the role, I'll be saying, you know, I'll be, going through it with Joey be saying something like, um, you know, Oh, in this position, what happened or why couldn't I finish that? Or I'm just saying, Oh, Joey, come here. I just want to remember, you know, what happened here. Cause sometimes something new will happen, a new sweep or a new pass. It'll play out in a way you, that just happened in the moment. And then you'll try reverse engineer it. Right. Mm. And, and I've done that so many times with Joey and he'll, he always says to me, man, like, I don't know how you remember what happened in the role. Mm. Like, how do, it's like, for me, it's, I don't know if I 
developed it over time. I know I didn't actively work at developing it. Maybe it's something that just came from that I always replay it in my head. And it sounds like pattern recognition because you've you've spent so many hours, focused hours, which I think is the key difference here, focused hours on the mats that you've paid attention to all of these patterns. So then when something new emerges, it sticks out. Yeah. And you can recognize it. That's what it that's what and I'm it actually up I almost sometimes will um like put a pin in it as well. Like if it's mid-roll, mm. something comes up. You store it in your memory. So yeah, I'll yeah. actually make a note of, of oh, I have to go back and, mm. and check that. And then that can be good and bad because then sometimes it becomes the pin is so big in my head that then it's kind of – You lose sleep over it. No, no, no. Like the rest of the roll, I'm kind ah, of only half there. Yeah, I'm. It actually yeah. happens a lot with lower belts. Like I'll be rolling with lower belts and then I'll be like completely thinking about something else while yeah. I'm just kind of going through the motions of the roll, <laughs> trying to remember like, Makes okay. Me feel great. <laughs> yeah. I remember when uh, some of my earlier students, Dan and Jake started training and they were like, they were super new and they, they wanted to know, it was so new, the gym had just opened. So majority of the classes were just me, Dan and Jake. They're two mm. friends who started at the same time. So, uh, yeah, it wasn't like I opened the gym and instantly had 100 members, right? It would often just be us three, okay? And, uh, you know, in all seriousness, I'm super, you know, Dan and Jake, I have a really good relationship with them. We joke a lot. We dump a lot of shit on each other. But all jokes aside, I'm super grateful that they they started training and really helped me lay a, a foundation of the growth of the gym and the team. Uh, but... When they were new, they asked one day, oh, you know, just to give us some reference, like how how hard are you trying when when you roll with us? You know, because they didn't know they've never trained anywhere else, you know. Mm. Because they were so new, they didn't really have other people to, to roll with. There weren't yeah. other white belts or blue belts. There were sometimes, but not very often, right? And I was like, oh, what, like a percentage out of 100? And they're like, yeah, you know, like what is it? And I was like, oh... I don't know. I don't really want to say. And they're like, no, 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 come on. You can tell us. And I was like, oh, I don't know, like 2%. Wow. <laughs> and they were like, what? You know, cause they were super new. This was like yeah. when. For, like brand new white belts. Yeah. And you know, anyone who for some reason is training, uh, who is listening, who doesn't train, you don't realize how, like you forget how bad you are when you first start and this would have been myself included right you can't unless you come from a another background like wrestling or something you know if you're completely new you forget that you know when you when you're so new like brand new white belts like you don't even have to sweep them for example they just they fall, fall over they yeah. just fall over and you yeah. go like oh you know, or they tap before the submission is even actually even on, yeah. right? Or they tap from from just like side control pressure, pressure or, yeah. or things like that. That when you're then an experienced white belt or a blue belt or a purple belt and you go back and roll with a, a brand new white belt and you, you realize it yeah. and you forget that you used to be like that. Yeah. You know, so this is, a, you know, a time when, when I say 2%, that's not me being like, oh, I'm so good. It's just a, it's just how it is for a lot of people when they're 100% brand new. Nowadays, Dan and Jacob blue belts, and I have to if significantly try, you know, I, I don't know if I've told this story before on the podcast, but I was rolling with Dan one day and we were doing specific training and he was on my back. And um, he 
he got a, a choke, a bow and arrow, some type of choke. And it was on, it was tight and, and he let go and I hadn't tapped. And I was like, dude, why'd you let go? And he's, and he's like, oh, I just, oh, you know, kind of that you didn't really know what to do. And I actually got, you know, got the shits out of him. I was like, bro, let's go again. And you don't let go until I tap or pass out. And then I promptly passed out, you know? <laughs> so you had to teach that lesson, yeah. <laughs> you know, so now, like, you know, if I roll with Dan and Jake, I have to try. Like, they're good, they're good blue belts, but yeah. Out of curiosity, last time we rolled, yeah. what percentage? <laughs> oh, no. Um, wasn't last time we rolled I was tied up. So no, like no, no. There was, there was a time in between then. And I, I got like smashed in the face because I like came at you like a, it was right off the back. It, if you haven't listened to the episode, I can't recall which number it was, but you mentioned to lower belts. I think it was advice to lower belts or something along those lines. And you said that it, you challenged lower belts to come at you. You're like white belts, blue belts. Well, fucking I, purple wasn't, belts. I don't think I was. Call, you were, you were like calling them out. You weren't calling was, them out, but you were saying like, hey, when you, when you approach a roll with me, I want you to try. I don't want you to not buck the status quo. I think it yeah. was the terminology. Yeah, you don't you have used. to like walk on eggshells. Like, yeah, yeah. Like come at me. I want, I want, you know, I want your best because if you don't bring your best, I'll be insulted. It's the opposite way around. So that stuck in my brain. So I was like, all right then. Yeah. I'll, I'll come at you. Yeah. And the last time we rolled, I fucking came at you. Yeah. In my, well, in my, in my view, I yeah, don't think we recorded right. it, but. At, yeah. What percentage, man? Come on. Well, at the start, you we started, we started standing. <laughs> you came at me so hard and you shot a single leg. Yeah. And I actually didn't even know what was going on. I was like, I was giggling because yeah. I, I was like, I thought you were mad or something. <laughs> I was, so I kind of couldn't stop laughing. Yeah. And then, you I think know. I got that single leg. Yeah, yeah, you did. And um, But then once like we settled into the role, like, oh man, I don't know. Um, you're a bit of a specimen, Kieran, but I don't know, maybe like. I won't be offended. Yeah. <laughs> I won't clip this and put it on Instagram. Yeah. I don't know. Like maybe it's, it's hard. Well, hang on. Let me, let me before, let me just say it's hard, right? Because it is hard to just give a generic percentage because yeah, there, there, there would be, there would be moments in time in the role where I try a hundred percent. Yeah. Let's average you it. Know? Let's average yeah, it. Yeah. But if you average it out, I don't know, man, like maybe like 10 or 15%. Better than Dan and Jake. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, Soft. Yeah. But, um, you I'll know, like it. obviously, obviously that increases over and over, right? Like, yeah. you know, um, it's not always going to, it's not always going to be like that, bro. There'll be, mm. there'll be times where we'll be rolling a hundred percent. Like you said, last episode when I'm old. Mm. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. When you're 40. Yeah. yeah. No, but. Um, Wait, it's 40. 40 is not even old, particularly not, in jiu-jitsu. Not anymore. It's You'll not. be fine. Like, well, I mean, it's kind of old in jiu-jitsu. Well, I don't know. I've seen some dudes like, um, I mean, I don't want to name Cyborg is, is not human. Yeah. He's, he's, cyborg he's is on, like. He's more testosterone than human. Like he's on a lot of gear. But I've seen some guys, even in the Australian, the local Australian scene, that definitely in Mar like Masters 2 or whatever, and they are fit. They are monsters like one yeah. in particular i'm thinking of i don't want to it's name like, drop because i don't want to assume his age but i think he's like late 30s early early 40s probably late 30s and he's a fucking weapon classic fucking, old, old man strength yeah I'll, I'll just name drop him now the um the vanilla gorilla guy that joey oh, yeah, that, that joey, joey fort, fort. Yeah. Man, what's his actual name um nathan nathan, nathan i believe and he is i didn't get to meet him but like, he weapon. seems like a really nice lovely guy, guy really nice I, I just met him through the fence um and great great match between him and joe 
No, the fucking um, the jujitsu. I was on the okay. I I was on the other side of the fence because I was filming the fight, and um, yeah, I was just talking to him there, and he seemed like real, like a really yeah, lovely big, guy. strong dude. Oh yeah. man, he's he's like what six foot two probably, and like a solid hundred kilos, mostly muscle. Yeah, like I remember lean. when. So he's jo- scary man. Joey fought him in the absolute, and yeah, Joey is by no means a, a small human. No, Joey, Joey in- like stepped on the mat. I think at about eighty four yeah, kilos. And Joey's incredibly fit, yep. strong, mobile, mobile, flexible. You know, um, and yeah, I remember being like Joey. Yeah, you you know he's you'll be fine. Blah blah blah. And when they were competing, he didn't look that big, and you know they looked similar. Yeah, they looked they similar, weren't. and you know <laughs> Nathan ended up uh, getting the win. And when they were then over by the fence, mm. and I was you know side by side with Nathan, I was like, "Holy crap!" Yeah, he's man, huge. he had at least fifteen kilos. Yeah, he was massive, least. man. Yeah. His chest was so oh, yeah. big. He was yeah. a big, strong dude. Yeah, you know, we're but not, not fanboying him. We're just saying, like, <laughs> I'm, well, the point I was trying to make is he. I think he's late, like mid to late thirties, maybe early forties at the at the oldest. Um, you know, he's got a few kids, I believe. Awesome trains, like fights in MMA as well. Absolute specimen. So even when you're forty, I think that you'll still be difficult to handle. Yeah. <laughs> listen, listen to me. Yeah, listen well, to might, me. might bump you up to 20%. Yeah, yeah maybe, yeah. if I'm lucky. <laughs> um, but going back to, to being, you know, your own, your own worst critic, you know, some people obviously take criticism better than others, mm. you know, so I think that's reflected in self-criticism as well. You know, I think people who can't take criticism or constructive criticism or feedback, you know, those sort of people who can't take it at all are going to struggle with self-criticism, yeah. I imagine. You know, I don't, I'm not a psychologist or psychiatrist or yeah. whatever, but uh, what about you in your in your professional career, you know, in all your competitive career, do you self-critique? I mean, oh, ob- yeah. obviously you, as a bodybuilder, you have to self-critique in the sense that you look in the mirror and you're trying mm. to literally – you know, sculpt a certain physique. Mm. So you have to critique whether you need to lose some mass or fat there or gain muscle in certain other areas. But, you know, are you harsh on yourself? Oh, yeah. I'm I'm, I'm like you in a way. I'm my own, uh, you know, not worst enemy, but my own biggest critic. And I think for me, you were saying how for, for yourself, you need for a jiu-jitsu context, like you need to be your own, uh, worst critic, otherwise you'll become complacent. I'm actually the opposite of that. I'm one of those people that I need to ease off a little bit on myself, otherwise I go too far. Like I have like a baseline where I'm always critiquing my performance in nearly everything. And if I if I don't keep it in check, it, it goes too far the other way, if that mm, makes sense. Yeah. So I need to I need to actually rein it in and I need to cut myself a bit of slack from time to time. But again, very similar to yourself. I hate it when people and this is going to be a little bit of a bitch, but fuck it, it's my platform. There's, <laughs> there's, um, I hate it when people will, like everything is relative, right? Everything is relative. Say for example, I don't know, uh, an analogy from analogy Adam here. Say you're doing a, you're in high school or whatever and you're doing a swimming race and you, you blitz the field and you win, but mm. you get like 10 seconds under your best time and you've been training your ass off like fucking in the pool. Under three or day. over your best time? Um, over your best time, yeah, sorry. Yeah, over your best, 10 yeah, seconds yeah. slower than your PB. Yeah, 10 seconds slower than your PB, which, you know, it was a terrible race for you, but you blitzed the field, right? Yeah. But you you train like almost like a, a professional athlete. You're in the pool like three hours a day. And then if you had people, 
maybe you were talking to your friends after it and you're beating yourself up saying, oh, you know, I did really badly. And they're like, what are you talking about? You just blitzed everyone. You won. Why are you being such a sook? You know, th- that response, yeah, that yeah. response where, or maybe you did uh, sat an exam and you got an A minus or something, but you've been studying for that yeah, one exam yeah. for like five hours a day and it, and you complain about your your mark or you feel down on yourself about your mark and you have people like, fucking pull your head in. You got an A minus. Like, I got to yeah. see why you complain. Yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah. yeah, but did you study for five hours a day? No, so shut the fuck up. And I think everything's <laughs> obviously you can tell this happened to me. Um, you know, maybe once upon a time, maybe has I don't know. Um, but I mean, everything is relative. So yeah. if you're if you're your own worst critic in that sense, you you know what you're capable of, or you yeah. know the amount of work you put in, or you know if you didn't put in much work, or like more than you should have, or whatever. Yeah. So I think and- it's important to be your own worst critic, particularly for jujitsu, because it's so fucking relative. Yeah. Right? And I think I think it's a, a good way as well to make sure that you that you're taking responsibility for your yeah, 100%. for your actions or for your performance. Yeah. Right? You know? I mean, I think that was a perfect example, perfect analogy. You've learned well, Kieran. You know, like learned yeah, from the best. Yeah. You know, if you're expecting a certain outcome, I think putting it in terms of an exam is a is a great way. Like what if you're if you're doing your your HSC or something mm. and you're you're aiming for a certain mark because you want to get into a certain school certain uni or, or whatever yeah. and maybe yeah. maybe you pass but you know you were like no man i was expecting to get into the 90s i put yeah. in all the work to get the 90s yeah. so i was like man but like you still got 85 that's awesome and yeah you're and like then, like you're making me feel bad because i only got yeah, 70 they're projecting yeah. their own insecurity onto you like you shouldn't be complaining because i didn't do as well as you it's like it's not about you it's yeah. not about you. Like I'm coming to you as a friend. Shut up. <laughs> this is legit. Like my high school experience is coming uh, can, manifested here. No, I'm kidding. Kieran usually like, stays pretty, you know, pretty polite and proper. You can tell when it's something that triggers him because he, he he starts ranting. You know what? So we've got yeah, we've got it's we've got relative. high school exams. We've got Gracie blue belts online. Yeah. <laughs> these things get Kieran real riled up. Yeah, but I mean, like I, I just think that when it comes to jujitsu because everything is so dynamic and relative. And let me just explain what I mean by relative. It probably goes without saying, but when you'll say if I'm like a 85 kilo dude and I'm rolling with maybe a a lot lighter person, maybe I'm rolling with a 60 kilo, I don't know, 17 year old guy, right? And kind of like your your example where you're rolling with lower belts. Like I'm rolling rolling with someone that's lighter and maybe less skilled than me. Mm. I have a certain expectation when we roll, particularly relative to the amount of effort I'm putting in. And, you know, if I don't meet that expectation, then I'm going to be harsh on myself. Yeah. Even if I tap them out, like it's relative, yeah. it's relative, and, you know, and it's also, you know, it's also a way to like, it also bleeds into certain things you should do to improve your approach to training. Mm. You know, we've, we've, we've mentioned before that, you don't walk into the gym, a weightlifting gym, and just go, oh, I'll just pick up whatever I feel like. It yeah. Usually, you know, you might, you might not have a full strength and conditioning plan written by a professional trainer. Which but, you should. <laughs> which you should. But, you know, you might be, you at least go in knowing that, like, oh, I'm doing legs today yeah. or something, right? And there's similar processes you can take for your jiu-jitsu training. Mm. And one of the ones that I do as someone who – who doesn't have access to uh, you know a huge amount of other black belts to train with? Just being in my own gym that I'm trying to build and grow, I'll get there one day, but I don't have that at the moment, right? 
So it's often lower belts that, that I'm rolling with. So sometimes I set myself specific goals, right? I'll, you know, and I'll, I'll give myself a handicap like in golf, right? I'll, uh, I'll go, okay, if I'm rolling with another black belt, pretty straightforward, we're the same belts, I need to submit them once to win, right? Uh, if it's a brown belt, I need to submit them twice, a purple belt three times, a blue belt four times and a white belt five times, you know? So then maybe I'm rolling with a blue belt and I only submit them three times in the round and, well, I've, I've failed my goal. Of course I'm going to be harsh on myself. I could easily go like, yeah, but I got them three times. Yeah, but three isn't good enough. My goal was four, mm. right? So, you know, like you said, well, an A minus isn't good enough. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, cool. I still passed, but I wanted an A plus. You know, that's what I was yes, aiming I for. I studied for an A plus. I was aiming for an A plus. I think I'm capable of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's 100% so, relative. You know, so. I actually write those goals down as well sometimes. Like for certain training partners, like for X training partner, my goal is to submit them X amount of times in a five minute round. I want to hear some. No way. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. no, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm not going to because, because those training partners listen to this podcast. Therefore, if their name is mentioned or not mentioned, I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm not even gonna. Yeah, but if then they know, it's even better. Like, you know, nah. if, if, if I say- I don't want them to feel special. Like if I, <laughs> if I say like, okay, Kieran, I'm going to armbar you, yep. right? That's my goal. And you- uh, I know that. And, and then you know that. Yeah. And I still armbar you, even yeah. though you were trying everything in your power not to get armbarred. Yeah. Then I'm like, yeah. Yeah, but gotcha. I, I don't want them to- Yeah, no, nah, I'm not going to. Well, okay. Don't tell me their names. Tell me some of the goals you so have like against submit, certain training so partners. Certain training partners. Um, there's one in particular that my goal is to submit this person three times in a five minute round. Okay, nice. Yeah. And there's another one that I've recently achieved this goal is to submit them once, and I yeah. and I was able to do that. And then I have other p training partners like yourself. My I have your on my my fucking <laughs> list of goals is pass to his, pass his guard and get applauded, a, a get a standing <laughs> ovation. Is that this episode? No, no, last, no last episode. Last episode. Yeah, last Kieran episode. had a dream where uh, he passed my guard, and then the whole class stopped and stood up and gave him <laughs> gave him a round of applause. <laughs> I expect that to happen. By the way, um, so no, and and for you, it's to get through one five minute round without being submitted. But I mean, that has happened before, I think, but you were letting letting it yeah, happen, you obviously. Know, like I've spoken before yep. about how I train in different ways, depending yeah. if I'm one. If I feel that student needs, is, needs yeah. some smash, do they need room to mm. work? Am I yep. giving them stuff to then see where they can go with it? Yeah. You know, like, but all, all of those different approaches from my side only work if the, the student is training with me properly, yeah. that they're not then looking at it as me giving them stuff so they're not, you know, they're not yeah. going to take it. Like, you know, but yeah. yeah. So I so get what you mean. Your, yourself, your, your goal is like. you giving it, I want to last the round with where you're, you're frustrated that you couldn't submit me. Yeah. That's probably going to yeah. be a while. Same with Joey. I have one for him. Um, yeah. And I have also a goal to. The, the same goal. Yeah, the yeah. same goal. Yeah. And um, I also have a uh, goal to legitimately tap a purple belt. Yeah, good goals. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then obviously every time I go into a role with someone on the, on, at the time, then I set a, a mini mental goal. But those those goals are like written down, like when I achieve them, cross them out, which yeah. I have crossed out a couple. Which yeah, I cool. mean, fuck, it may be narcissistic, but it's a way for me to to keep progress, like to progress against the same people. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's something that you told me to do a little yeah. while ago, but I I just took it a step further and, and wrote them down. Yeah, like because you've got to set goals against individual training partners because that you know training partner A. You could, I mean, we'll do it the same as 
weightlifting. Training partner A, he might be your squat rack. Mm. So the same as with a squat rack, you'll have a goal that you want to hit, be able to squat whatever weight or you want to be able to squat whatever weight for whatever many reps, mm. you know. And then training partner B might be your pull-ups. You have mm. a goal of how many pull-ups you want to do that you're working towards, you know. So training yeah. partner B is to, you know, to pass them or not get swept or yeah. what in yeah. whatever it is, right. You've got to have goals against those same training partners. Yep, um, one that I'm quite frequently criticize myself on that, I, that is quite funny, frustrates me a lot is, um, is my student Aaron. So as is a purple belt and there's a massive weight difference between as and I, right. Um, as is probably now with, oh, my, now like with my quarantine body, you know, as would be like 30 kilos lighter than me. Yep. Um, there's a big weight difference between me and as and a height difference, mm. right. As well as him being a purple belt and me a black belt. Um, but man, when Az turns it on, he's 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 no slouch despite how how the, despite the size difference. And there's times when he just frustrates me so much because he makes like because it's whatever I'm trying to do is incredibly difficult to do because of because of his competency, right? So whatever, maybe I've passed him and I'm trying to submit him from side control or what have you, and he's just making it so hard for me as he should be. He's not doing anything wrong. And often after the rolls, I'm just like, I turn to him. I'm like, F you as man. Oh, like you piss me off so much. I, I was like, you know, and I've said to him multiple times, cause there's times I've rolled with as lots of times I've rolled with him. And after the roll, the look on his face looks like he's just been physically assaulted and bashed. Right. And don't take this as me not being a nice person. You know, I train with every student and training partner appropriately and, you know, as would vouch for this, because if he doesn't. <laughs> but, um, you know, and I say to him, I was like, man, you know that when it's a role where you feel like I've just absolutely beat the crap out of you, it's because I, I need to, because, you're, because you're, you're pushing me so hard that you're pushing me into the realm of like a competition role because mm. I can't play with you mm. anymore, right? Like it's, it's the harder I – it's almost like the harder I smash you, it's like the, it means – the better you're getting, yeah, you know. But then sometimes me as an individual, like I'm super harsh on myself. I'm like, I'm not happy that it's that hard for me. As an instructor, I'm always happy for the improvement of my students. But as a as an individual competitor, as is a great example of how I'll often be super unhappy with myself for how difficult it was to to submit him or or whatever. I'm, I'm working on. Yeah. I always critique myself with Az. Oh, I get so angry. And then Az isn't happy either. He just gets smashed. You yeah. Know? <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's a few like um, blue belts and wine belts that I have that sort of relationship with. Not, not like in your position, probably in Az's position, but there's a few, you know, uh, white belts that started very similar time to me, or maybe a little bit before a couple of blue belts as well that I have really tough roles with. And yeah, after it, you just, beating yourself up a little bit like fuck I really could have got that submission or fuck yeah, I like should have shouldn't have let myself get in that position there and yeah and like that, even if you win yeah, you're not yeah. you're not happy yeah and that's that self critique or maybe maybe you finish the role in a winning position but you weren't able to get the 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 sub or whatever it is and that that links back to how self critique and being your own worst critic can make make you better if you frame it in a positive way like yeah. don't beat yourself up so you're thinking about it in the next role. 
you need to be able to like compartmentalize and move on and then, you know, self critique in a positive way. But I think for some people it's not good because they will, it will haunt them, right? They will lose sleep. They will beat themselves up as though it was the world championship or whatever. And if you're in that position, I think maybe working, working through it and being able to give yourself a bit of slack is in order. And sometimes I can step one foot into that camp where it's like a bit too much. You know what I mean? Particularly because I naturally critique myself so heavily anyway. I think it's definitely unhealthy to, to critique yourself about things you can't change. Like that's really unhealthy. Mm. You know, like if you're, if, if you're incredibly harsh and you self critique on the way you look, I don't mean oh, as in yeah. like losing weight or something, that's something you can change, but as in like, if you just think your face is ugly and you could, I mean, that's not healthy, right? I mean, yeah. obviously that's completely different. That's a whole mental health thing, but you know, so I don't want people to be listening, thinking, yeah, I'll just critique myself yeah. on every aspect We're talking of about jujitsu. We're talking here, about yeah. jujitsu or things you can, you can yeah. change, right? Or, you know, I think anything that you want to improve, it's never okay to go, that's ah, good enough. You know, like, okay, yeah. if I'm cooking some spag bowl or something, it might not be the tastiest one, but I'm going to go, yeah, it's good enough. Right? Mm. Cause I'm not like, it's not something I'm necessarily wanting to improve. Yeah. I could always have it taste better, but I'm not like working towards becoming a chef or something. Yeah. So I'm just going to be like, yeah, it's fine. I forget right? which philosopher said this and this sort Was of links. Marcus something, something. No, it wasn't Marcus Aurelius <laughs> from last episode. Uh, I, it will come to me in, in a moment, but it was basically the saying goes, how you do one thing is how you do everything. So I've putting that, yeah. putting effort into the small things will like if you if you do everything more or less not you know within within reason if you do everything to the best of your ability then you know that will translate into doing everything like that like that uh, basically uh, I'm, I'm kind of butchering this as I always do with philosophy but if you you know cut corners in one area of your life you probably are going to cut corners in other areas that actually matter so yeah. if a good example for jujitsu is the warm-up. If you rock up and then you don't put effort into the warm-up or maybe the uh, hip escapes, you just sort of half-ass it or you're not really doing yeah. your sprawls correctly. When it comes time to do a hip escape, when it comes time to do a sprawl, those fundamentals, you're going to half-ass them because yeah. that's the way you've conditioned your yeah. body. Yeah, I mean, and it's a really common, I don't know if expression's the right word, but in jujitsu, people often say, you know, you, you compete the way you roll. Yeah, 100%. You know, which Fight you, the way you train. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, yeah, there's some competition aspects you don't take into the mm. gym, but but yeah, if you kind of always roll with this sort of playful half assed and then you decide you want to go compete, can be really hard to, to turn it on to turn it on yeah right? yeah exactly um, there's an expression that comes from a u.s navy um general um not general admiral um that is basically the the expression is fight tonight which basically means if we were going to war tonight what would you do differently what would you would you clean your your weapons differently would you put effort into your training differently if it, your life was on the line and i think to a lesser extreme, you can apply that to jujitsu. If you were going to compete that next day or compete that weekend, how would you train differently? Yeah. Or if you had a, if you knew you were going to get into a one-on-one street scrap with someone, 
how would you train differently if your you could just concept like take, is self-defense? You just take that to the next level. You'd be like, okay, if I'm if I'm competing tomorrow, what would I do today? Yeah, I'd rest. Rest day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, then and then tomorrow, if I was fighting tomorrow, what would I do today? Rest, rest day. day. <laughs> yeah, I think we have some people at our gym that have that mentality. Yeah. No, um, but, you know, obviously take it within reason. But fight tonight is is a really awesome motto to live by when it comes to training. Because obviously yeah. in defense, everything's yep. about training. And jujitsu, everything is training. You're just training all the time until you compete yep. or until, you know, you, someone tries to bash you in the street. Yep. So fight tonight is is something that I try to live by effectively is train the way you compete, train the way you fight. Get that tattooed that, on your knuckles. Fight yeah, tonight. Yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> We're doing combat jujitsu when we get back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what about uh, – receiving criticism from other people. How okay. Do you, how do you go about that? I depends. Who, now who it is, what not, they're saying. Not not only like honestly get a haircut. I yeah, I need to get a haircut. <laughs> so I'm wearing a hat. Um yeah, look, it depends on the criticism. This is something that I've been working on for my pretty much my entire adult life is is receiving criticism well. And I'm not saying that I don't take criticism well. I think I do. But in in a way that it depends on how the criticism is delivered. One thing that frustrates me, and this is more of a work context, is if you say, for example, I I came, we we had a meeting. This is an analogy because I know you work in analogies. Yeah, I don't say, understand it otherwise. Say we were working together, and I was lead on a project. I was the project manager on some project, and we're in a meeting, and I sat down and, and presented my idea or something or a direction that I wanted to take the project. And you're like, no, nah, that's shit. And I was like, okay, um, do you have an alternative to, yeah. to achieve this goal? And you're like, no. Nah. Yeah. It's like, okay, so that's not really constructive. That's just you shitting on my idea. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah, there are times where, you know, you can clearly see that a solution to the problem isn't correct, but you don't at, you don't at the moment, a, you don't yeah, have yeah, a solution, yeah. right? Um, and you know, you can apply that to, to everything like political landscape, whatever, but you know, so you don't always have to have the best solution or, or, or better solution to identify that something's wrong, but going into it just blatantly like, nah, that's shit. And I have no, nothing to offer. Nothing else to add. That's, yeah. that's, that's not very constructive. That's just criticism, right? Yeah. For, for no apparent reason within or within reason. So, I mean, that type of criticism, I, struggle a little bit with um but generally speaking i particularly for jiu-jitsu i'm, I'm a sponge like yeah. even even another white belt like giving a point i'll, I'll never like what about, dismiss them what about the the criticism that has a underlying tone of disappointment does that how does that hurt or how do you f- like the disappointed dad oh yeah look i think because what was that? That? Motiv- that motivates me a lot. Like, it depends on who. It- like, say for example, you are giving me criticism, saying you got swept because you fell over. What the fuck, dude? Or like your base was shit here. Like, you can do better. Stop being lazy. I can tell that yeah. you're being lazy here. Yeah, I take that not to heart, but I take that on board, and that definitely fuels me. The cr- criticism like that really does help. I mean. I think it's different in my position in jujitsu. I understand I'm at the bottom of the rung. I understand that everything that a higher belt says within reason is something worth listening to, if that makes sense. So it's very different. I I think the analogy I use is if we were peers Mm. 
yeah, like yeah, I yeah. suppose in, in this case, I'm a subordinate. You're the instructor. I definitely thrive on criticism because then it's at the forefront of my brain next time. And then I, it, it does help to not uh, make the same mistakes. And I think yeah. in, in some way, disappointing myself is one thing, but then disappointing, you know, the disappointed dad, that, yeah, can be, it, that can be way worse. Yeah, I remember like way worse. At the, the last competition we had here before <coughs> lockdown and everything, there were two situations. One where, where Anthony, our blue belt fought, and Ben, who's one of our, um, I mean, his fights at Juvenile. And Ben did a particular like position that I've told him so many times bulldog. not yeah. to do <laughs> and it cost him the fight. And yeah. after the fight, I was just – I mean, he's, Ben's younger, mm. so I'm not too harsh on him. Plus his parents were there. But I was yeah. like, dude, what are you doing? And Anthony did this one where he like conceded a sweep or something to go for a footlock. And he ended up winning the fight. But mm. I was like, I was like, dude, like what the F man? Like don't, <laughs> don't do that shit, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, because there's maybe people listening being like, always go for the sub or whatever. Okay, we're fighting under a particular rule set. You got to fight for those rules. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I remember I was super disappointed, Anthony, super disappointed. Yeah. And it happened to me one time, not where I got disappointed criticism, but it was almost the action itself. I was, oh man, it cut so deep. I was a blue belt and I was fighting the pans and I, I got bronze at weight. And for those who don't know, when you fight the bigger competitions, that's, not, that's good. You yeah. can't you can't just register for absolute. You have to medal in your weight division. So you have to make the podium in your weight division to be allowed to fight uh, absolute yeah. if, if you want to fight absolute. So um, I, and this was when uh, bolos had just started to happen. So I lost the, the, the semifinals at weight to a bolo. I didn't get my back taken, but it resulted in getting swept. And it was actually quite unfortunate because I – could have swept the dude back. I think I swept him a couple of times, but we fell out of bounds or something. So the points didn't count. Anyway, I lost fair and square. And then in the absolute, I had for all my fights, I had Fabio and Tarsus coaching me. Tarsus is one of Fabio's black belts. He's also a world champion, Tarsus Humphreys. Um, And I had Fabio and Tarsus coaching me. And I won my first fight and my second fight or whatever. I was in the semis again. This is absolute. This is in the absolute, yeah. And I lost again to essentially bearing – it was pretty much – it wasn't the same dude as the weight division, but it was pretty much the exact same fight where, Uh, you know, I lost due to, you know, getting swept from bolos or or something and, you know, I could have swept him or taken him down multiple times but we fell out of bounds and whatever. And again, lost fair and square. And I remember I was just so gutted uh, and – yeah, so I was the, the 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 ref had called Paro, called the the fight had stopped, and I was can't remember where I was, whether I was on my back or whatever, but I just kind of had my head in my hands, and and yeah. when I when I stood up to to get the other dude's arm raised and whatever, and I stood up and and Fabio and Tarsus had already gone, like they had oh. already walked off, and it wasn't as if in this particular scenario there wasn't like a million other 
Alliance athletes fighting. It's not like they ran off to coach for someone else because my mm. fight ended. It was like my division was one of the last of the days. There was no one else from Alliance fighting. Like it was essentially just me and Fabio and Tarsus there. Oh. And I remember standing up like after I'd lost and they were already gone. Like they left instantly and I was just like, oh, like it just, <laughs> it just cut so deep, bro. Like I don't think they intentionally meant anything by yeah. it. Like for them, you've got, you know, Fabio, the head of Alliance, Tarsus, a black belt world yep. champion. Like for them, it's a, you know, it's a blue belt fight. It's yeah, rather blue belt significant. Yeah, but yeah, then yeah. again, I mean, it's kind of significant because it still adds points towards the team's total. Yeah. I remember I was just, uh, even just telling this story now, I was, I'm just remembering how upset I am about not winning pans yeah. and just how, how, how oh, just that fight, just have standing up and them already being gone. Mm. They didn't even look back, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh, like man. i mean it's your dad that, walked away that whole like no regrets you know like you always want to be having gone for something yeah but uh you know and not have regrets but it doesn't mean you can't regret like not doing better yeah not i think winning. what what is it the most people regret not going for something rather than regret doing something. Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously but I mean, reason. Uh, but no, and more recent one was like fighting the Masters Worlds and it was probably one of the, the few competitions I went into. I just had this, this all-consuming belief that I was going to win. Mm. Like it was – I'd never felt it before going into a competition. I was, I was so – so convinced. Was this a brown belt? A black belt. Right. I was so convinced that I was going to win. Like it, it was, it just felt like it was ingrained in me. I don't know how to explain it. And, and I won my first fight and there weren't a huge amount of people in my division, despite it being masters one, master mm. one heavyweight, you mm. know, masters one is usually has a huge amount of people mm. at masters worlds. And I won my first fight. And then my second fight, man, was Jesus, like the amount of fights I lose with this, like I did at Pans, it wasn't due to bolos, but it was the same sort of thing where I was down on points or something and I ne only needed to score two points to win. And I think I yeah, swept the dude twice, but both times we fell out of bounds. So I didn't get awarded the points. And then, yeah, and I mean that winning that fight would have already put me into the semis. So it would have put me onto the podium. Yeah. And anyway, yeah. So I didn't, didn't make the podium, didn't win. And man, I was so just, I often try not to think about it. I know for some people it's just a competition. It's, it doesn't mean a lot, but for me, I was just, it wasn't that I lost, I've lost a lot, but it was, I've never had such a consuming belief that I was going to win. And then I lost, like, I was just in shock, you know, mm. I, I've never had it before and I haven't had it since, but I was just in shock that I lost. I like, I couldn't believe it. I, I was like, but I was I was so sure I was going to win. I don't think I was delusional. I could have won. You know, I was good enough to win, but I didn't, you know. Um, definitely regret that feeling. That sucked. Yeah. But so, anyway. So with your, just to not to rub salt in the wound here, but just to go back, like if knowing knowing the outcome of the, of the match without like saying, oh, yeah, I would have tr like drilled this one sweep or whatever, would you have done anything differently leading up to, Masters Worlds. Like is it is in your training, yeah. 
No, I think I trained pretty well for it. Like yeah. you could all, you know, it wasn't like I lost because I wasn't fit or anything like that. The main reason I lost was for lack of of mat control. And what I mean by that is is making sure that your technique ends up inside yeah, the mat. Right. So, so getting you, points for for what you work for. Because you said yeah. like I think this has happened, sorry, I think this has happened to you before as well where you weren't able to secure a takedown because you kept going out of bounds at masters or is, am I confusing this with the sweep? Uh, I think we've spoken about it before. Well, I don't know, but it's, it's more making me think of, um, of the, my last, the subversion fight and you watched it and you said to me like, Oh, you would have got that takedown if you had more room. Yeah. And And you said no. And and I'll tell you why. Yeah. And I said, no, I'll explain why later. Um, So since masters worlds, I've learned and gotten much better at controlling the space. Mm. Um, And for example, that particular takedown that I missed was a collar drag, right? So leading up to that takedown, like after after I tell you this- You're talking about the subversion? The subversion one. So after this, if you go back and watch it, Kieran, you'll you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. So leading up to that takedown, I initially backed him up against the edge of the mat, right? So- so. For example, I put him in a position that if you shot a blast double, you would fall off the mats, right? But I I purposely backed him up there because I know that off a collar drag, single leg takedown, you typically do you know do more or less like a 90 to 180 degree yeah, rotation. Turn, yeah. So I've backed him up knowing that the collar drag is going to face me back in towards the mat, you know? And then and then I got the single, but he kind of sprawled and then we ended up at the edge of the mat, which mm. is, so I ended up running out of room regardless. Mm. Whereas if I had my back backed up to the mat, like that wouldn't be the place to go for a collar drag. Cause even if you succeed, you're probably going to end up off the mat. Right. So I've gotten better at controlling the space. Lucas Lepre is someone who does it really well. If you were fighting someone who is known for having some monster blast double, if you kind of position yourself like at the edge of the mat with your back at the edge of the mat, you think you're minimizing the risk because if they shoot that blast double, there's a massive chance that they're going to take you off the mat, mm. right? So the, the takedown's not going to count. You're going to get reset. So when you're going for blast doubles, I know that if someone wraps your head for the guillotine, you turn you you go you go both and you turn the corner right like you, yeah. so you make sure yeah, you tuck yeah. both legs and you turn the corner so your body is on the opposite side to your head yeah. and then you're more or less protected which yeah. is actually that knowledge saved my ass in a comp once because that's exactly what happened yeah. I fucking dumped this kid and ended up on the other side and then he was like cranking on my neck and I was like nah all day all day son um, <laughs> didn't you get in trouble for registering for the kids division and just dumping <laughs> kids <laughs> actually funnily enough I had that. That was a, the biggest takedown I've ever done and it just happened to be in a comp. It was a massive slam and uh, I, I had it on film but like my cameraman sort of missed it, half of it, so it's right. not really clear. Right. But I got like the landing on film. I, I have yet to upload it. I'm probably going to upload it soon. Um, but yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. I won, the, I won the match as well, just saying. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm a big dog. <laughs> but my question is like, okay, so if I want to do – because I want to do blast doubles. I want to get better mm. at them. I want that to be a part of my repertoire and I want the um, the sacrifice throw that I've been working on to be part of my takedown repertoire and maybe a single leg as well. And then I'll be, I'll be happy with those takedowns, right? Yeah. So with the blast double, if I'm unable to turn that corner and but my head keeps getting wrapped, should I – like how do I – 
how do I get out of that situation? How do I prevent myself from getting submitted when I go for the blast double? I, I know to turn the corner, but it didn't happen for whatever reason. And I end up in a bad situation. Is that when I go for my guillotine defense where I need to focus on throwing the arm over the well, shoulder? Yeah, well, or? well, yeah, if you're in the guillotine, yeah, then, then yes. But you've essentially got a couple of options. Like you can, if you can't turn the corner in the sense of your, your traditional double leg thinking, yep. you can pick them up up over your shoulder, right? And then you rotate them out of the way. Think more like a, a full traditional wrestling takedown or something you might see in the UFC. Sometimes you see them pick the dude up all the way over their shoulder, right? Uh, and then turn the, and then rotate the person uh, yep. 90 degrees and, and dump them. So when I, sorry to interrupt, just I'm just trying to conceptualize here. I've shot for the double, um, you know, my, my, lead, my lead leg is forward, knee on the mat. I want my head to the opposite side of my shoulder. To the opposite side of the knee that goes on yeah, the mat. Yeah, 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 sorry. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah, way better. So say I, I shoot left knee forward. Uh, head I, would be on the right. My head, yeah, so I got that right. I want to stay upright, my head on the right side, and then I want to pick them up and then turn the corner so that... Yeah, So, uh, but it can be a combination of turning their legs out of the way yep. as well as doing something that's called running the pipe, which is where you kind of... Instead of thinking of turning the corner, think about if you if you just changed your position by turning your body 90 degrees to their body and then strafing into them. Strafing is in walking sideways. Yeah, into for them. those who don't know, is a word that we've often said that many people don't know what the word strafe yeah, means, so but it's a very means to walk sideways, mm. right? Um, like but a yeah, crab. Like a crab, right? So if you imagine instead of you like kind of turning them out of the way, mm. you kind of turn yourself 90 degrees around the corner and then you strafe into them. That's called running the pipe. I'll have to right? see this. I'm having a hard I'm, time I'm, conceptualizing. I'm, I'm, try, I'm actually, <laughs> if anyone is like watches the video of this, this podcast, I'm closing my eyes trying to explain it knowing that like I'm trying to avoid using my hands yeah. to explain it to you because yeah. people listening won't know. But, yeah, so imagine, you know how if you're wrapped in a guillotine, yep. you throw your arm over the shoulder and yep. then you go turn 90 degrees, yep. right? So you're 90 degrees to them mm. and then you finish your guillotine escape, right? Where you put them down, mm. right? Imagine that same body position, but now you just keep running sideways into them. That's called running the pipe. Right. It's very similar to, to – So basically uh, is the idea to take them down with – like you create the angle. So you offset your body 90 – like offset your, your body on the opposite side of their head and you run into them to take them down effectively. That's what you're trying to yeah, achieve? Yeah, kind of. It's, you know, opposed to a regular double leg that might result in this forward and then 45-degree mm -hmm. drive, right? Mm -hmm. Uh where if you were to draw draw that line on a paper, you're gonna hit, you're gonna shoot the takedown, and you're gonna be going like straight, mm -hmm. and then the takedown is gonna finish on a 45, mm -hmm. right? Whereas running the pipe, you're gonna hit them straight, mm -hmm. then you're gonna rotate 90 degrees, and then from their point of view, keep pushing them straight. Oh, because you're strafing. There's everyone listening is sitting there. Yeah, going, no, what I the think fuck are you talking no, about? No, I think I understand. Oh. So you you blast them straight. And then pretty much as soon as you make contact with them, you're going to rotate your body 90, 90 degrees, degrees and then, and then you're going to continue that momentum 
as you did on the same vector as if you when you first made contact with yeah. them. So you're going yes. the same direction, except your body for your relative to you, you're going sideways, but they're still going they're still going backwards. Back. Yeah. And so what that does is that prevents it them essentially from, puts you in side control while yep. you're still standing up. That makes more sense. And then you run the pipe. So then if I shot with my left leg forward, my head is on the right hand side, I want to then strafe by turning my body to the right. right. Yeah, turning your body to the right, you're, yeah, my right. you'll be going around to, to the left of them. That makes sense. And it's called running the pipe. So running you're basically going side, like moving sideways. I think the best way to explain it is you are creating a side control position on the feet to yeah. prevent yourself from being and guillotined. Then yeah, and then you're running sideways so they fall over backwards yep. and you land in side control. So there's no way for them to get your body and your head on the same side because you've run the pipe and, and you know, created that angle. In theory, yeah. In theory, yeah. Right. So I don't know how we got onto this about being I asked your you own about worst Gil- critic, but, I, but yeah, but yeah, we're talking about map control yeah. and things like that. But yeah, so I mean, since you know, since the losing at Masters Worlds, I've come back and much better at controlling the mat and mat mm. space. And you know, if I come up on sweeps, if I'm about to go out of bounds, like I'll often either, you know, like I'll I'll rotate my opponent or pull them backwards or whatever because you want to keep them in Mm. you know but you see the same thing in mma right you know really good mma fighters are good at controlling the octagon yeah the octagon right or the cage or whatever yeah you know uh depending on the position where they're in when they shoot let's say again a blast double that might result in a takedown or it might result in just pushing them up against the cage which is Right? Yeah, they gonna, may not want that. Yeah, de- yeah exactly. The, they may not want that. Depends what they're wanting to do. What they're so. Are you going to compete again? Like, yeah, well, uh, like, outside of subversion. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. Like, at, uh, Masters two. <laughs> well, I'd probably still compete at, at adult. I reckon. Okay. Um, but at, at adult, not masters, not masters worlds again. Oh, would I compete at masters worlds again? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's when I. When I went last, it was part of like it was a work trip and, mm. you know, it just all made sense. I mean, we maybe, can make it I don't know, it's hard to even think about it at the moment with the, with the lack yeah, of the international of, yeah, travel yeah, yeah. and, you know, my, my wife's Brazilian and we got a two-year-old, so, we, mm. you know, we haven't been back to Brazil for ages. Mm. So logistically and financially, I don't know, maybe it's a bit hard to fly to Vegas mm. just for a competition, uh, but maybe, you know. Um, you just make it a boys' trip. Yeah, boys trip. Yeah, beyond jujitsu, goes to Vegas. <laughs> yeah. We don't even go to the world. So. <laughs> yeah. Actually, yeah. I've been to Vegas twice, two or three times. Twice, I think. I went once, but it's I was gross. Vegas I was nineteen. Is gross, bro. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't like going out and partying at the best of times. Like, yeah, I remember every time I've been to Vegas, I never went out to any show or yeah, any. I was, I, I mean, I was there tip. for jujitsu anyway, so I mean, it okay, wasn't it wasn't the theme of the trip. But even focus, then, yeah. even when I after the competition, I had like a, a free night or whatever. People I had this one friend I was there with, and he was like, "Man, we got to go out, blah blah blah." And I was like, "Nah, <laughs> I'll stay home. Yeah, I'll you know drink my sad beers for losing my fight, yeah. and then I'm on the plane tomorrow and just like, cry. I'm yeah. out, not into that scene. Yeah, fair enough. Well, don't go to Vegas when you're 19. 
<laughs> Why? It was oh, you can't. It's you can't 21. Do shit. Yeah, you got to be twenty one. <laughs> yeah, I'll spin my Vegas dit because I actually got in a little bit of trouble in Vegas. I'll spin that another time. You have to remind me. But uh, all right, Vegas yeah. story. Yeah, Vegas. Nineteen Vegas year old story. in Vegas. Yeah, yeah. I, I got. I nearly got in a lot of trouble, but I didn't. But it's okay. But I'll spin that one. I'll, I'll save that. You woke up at Area Fifty One, did you? Yeah, something like that. But yeah, well. That, that's a good place to leave it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so basically being your own worst critic can be a good thing uh, if if you channel it correctly. Yep. But it can also be a negative thing if you don't channel it correctly, if you don't frame it in a positive mindset, if you if it gets you down or, or worse, gets you to quit jujitsu or, or you know, you're too distracted and too focused on beating yourself up that you're not actually putting the right effort in at the at the right time. So I think self-awareness is the key for this. Yep. But it can be it can be a positive thing and, and we're both on the same page. We we use it like that. So And if you're un, if you're not sure, just submit your question. To just the, yeah, <laughs> submit your question. Jiu Jitsu, ask a black belt. Uh, if you if you know if you listen to the last episode of Ask a Black Belt and your question wasn't answered a good chance it'll be answered on the next one. So mm. just keep sending in your questions. Um, how do we submit a question, Adam? How do you submit a question? You can go to our Instagram, click on the link tree, and it'll take you to a submit a question. Or even if you're not sure how to do that, just send us a direct message on Instagram. Yeah, but otherwise, sure. the link tree has all the links, has the submit a question link, it has our Patreon, has a link to the latest uh podcast episode everything is there uh but yeah much appreciated if you want to give us a follow if you want to give us the extra support the patreon is there otherwise enjoy and we will catch you next time thanks for listening 